the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You know, we only have two more messages in this series of the ABCs of character building. This week is on yieldedness. And as I was preparing this message, I got thinking about all the different traits we've already covered from availability and benevolence and courage and all the rest. I got thinking if there would be perhaps one of the most difficult character traits for us to embrace as our own, it really would be the sense of yieldedness in our own spirit. All I have to do is to ask you, as I would ask myself, have any of you had a particular conflict this week? And it's all right to disagree with someone, but where that disagreement escalated into some anger and maybe some harsh words that you shouldn't have said. I know it has been that way with me, and I realize that at that moment I wasn't yielding. How many of you at one time, maybe even driving this week, and we really on this island are blessed. It's not until we go to the mainland that we really do drive often with aloha here, you know, especially when we've got to merge. It's you first, then me, you, then we kind of do that all. But sometimes you know some mainlanders and their rental cars, they don't know our aloha driving, do they? I see some of you smiling and nodding. And if you're a guest here from the mainland, we want you to know how glad we are that you're here. But I know we're different too, and so are you. But sometimes how we drive, we've learned to yield. And when we don't yield, there's that conflict. I remember when I was flying, I had to go somewhere and I was late. And as I arrived at the airport, you're just hunting for parking places. You know how difficult it is sometimes to find a, a parking place at the airport. And so I'm going along and I finally see that there's no parking. I've gone around the, 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 the barn two or three times. And finally, I'm noticing as I'm driving, there's a car in front of me. And you know how it is when there's a car in front of you looking for a place. You think, oh, no, just one more car. If, if I could have got ahead of him, if another car pulls out, I'll get that place. How many of you have felt that when you saw someone in front of you? Would you raise your hand? Thank you for you honest people. Well, I had this guy in front of me, and so he is zipping along because I guess he or she was late as well, and so they're just clipping through this thing, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to get the space in front of me. So I'm tagging along about, oh, I don't know, maybe the length of that particular parking garage behind me, and God was so good to me that there was a guy that pulled out between this guy and me. So I thought, yes, Lord, I got that place. That other guy raced by, and so there it was. So I waited dutifully and patiently for the person to pull out. He pulled out, and he heads out, and so I park in there, and I'm just shouting the victory. Little did I know that that other guy saw that spot way up there and he raced backwards like in a movie to catch me. And he jumped out of the car and he got in my face and this is not a joke and he had his kid his son with him and he was going to hit me. He says, that is my spot. Now I have to tell you that um, I, I, I wasn't really yielded to give it up to him. But I didn't know if I was going to yield some teeth in the midst of all of this. All I can tell you is that I, I didn't get hurt and he didn't go to jail. And I didn't go to jail. But I can tell you that almost every single day that we're faced with testing on whether or not we're going to be a yielded individual. And it is tough. So that's why today's message is a very difficult one. But at the same time, no matter how difficult it is on yieldedness, we can see it in the life of Christ that God will give us the ability to yield. 
And at the same time to know that there's a time that we don't yield. We're not going to yield when we're asked to do something that's wrong or to deny Christ, even if it might mean a great loss to us financially or maybe even our own health or life, that there is a time that we don't yield. But sometimes we're very quick to not yield because we don't want to yield what's right, that we forget that there are a lot of other times that are in our life that God puts before us that we are going to suffer loss, but it's not that kind of loss. It's all right to suffer that loss. Again, who is our example? Jesus Christ. Remember when he went to the cross? He didn't yield himself by saying, you know what, this is just too hard, so I'm going to give this up. No, he yielded himself up to the Father and eventually then died for our sins and rose again. So there is a time we uncompromisingly will never yield. And then there are times that we uncompromisingly will always yield. And it's that bit of wisdom that we learned about last week that's going to help us to discern when we do it and when we don't. So for some of you that might be thinking exactly what does yieldedness mean, let me go over just a couple of these definitions for us just to have it focus more in our mind. In the regular standard death dictionary, it just simply means to give up or to surrender. I don't want to pass by that too quickly. That's a very good definition, though. It really, to yield means to give it up, to surrender, to kind of, you know, wave the white flag and give in. It doesn't mean to give in to sin. I don't want to keep qualifying that. I think you know where I'm going. So when I say that now, I'm not talking about give in to sin or something that would be definitely wrong. But at this time, it just means to surrender. Noah Webster simply said to submit or to comply. So the action of compliance is involved in yieldedness. That means to kind of give in, to kind of go with the flow, kind of work with the other person. Don't be someone that always got to paint outside the line. When I went into the Old Testament, it actually means, there's two Hebrew words, it means to cause to yield. I like this one, to stretch and even to bend. And some of you that uh, perhaps have a very small box in which you live, it might be good for you to know that there are times that we are to bend. I remember when I was um, much earlier in my, my Christian life, we heard that the word compromise was so wrong, that it, it was so embedded into me that it went over from not only don't compromise with God and don't compromise His word and don't comp compromise the cooperation with different uh, theological groups, which you don't want to compromise there, that I became so much that I didn't want to compromise with anyone. It was almost my way or the highway and everything that I believed, that I was always right. And I had to learn that compromise in itself is not bad. It's proper if you put it in the biblical context in which it should be. And at the same time, not compromising and being strong and steadfast is not bad either if it's done correctly. So you have the word to stretch or to bend. You get into the New Testament, it simply means again to yield or to give over. I'm submitting to you a very simple definition that might work for you and you might want to work it with your kids. And so here it is. Yieldedness is simply submitting myself cheerfully to the one I serve. Submitting myself cheerfully to the one I serve. Now you could open that up a little bit. Who do we serve? Obviously, we live in a world now that we have authority figures in our life. If you have a family, you have dad who often is, so to speak, the head of household. And then you have the husband, of course. Then you have in the world of work, you can have a supervisor, maybe even the owner. If you're in military, you have people that are above you. You have it in church. You have church leaders, pastors, etc. that are over you at times. And yet God is very quick to make sure that we have it in the proper perspective that we're to yield to one another, to submit to one another. So there is a time that we do those that are in authority to submit those themselves to the fellowship. So that's why I said to everyone that we serve, and we should serve one another, as Scripture says, but to do it cheerfully. Now, I don't want to get too much into psychology here, but I do believe that you're far enough along now to know that God himself, who is our creator, created every human being with various personality styles. If I could put them into four boxes, one box would be the one box that would say that I'm dominant, directed, determined, doer. 
Now, nobody is ever one personality. They are a blend of a lot of other personalities, but there'll be one that's dominant in that particular group of personalities. So let's take that dominant one. They tend to have a little bit more difficulty with yieldedness to one another. Probably because they're the ones that are task-oriented. They've got to get the job done. They're very active. Sometimes they'll pull the trigger before they aim. <laughs> we know that. And so they have a difficult time yielding. Often those type of personalities will get into a position of leadership. For whatever reason, they tend to be in a position of greater influence of a leadership. And so they don't often yield as they often should. So they'll have some difficulty. And those of you that have more of that dominant, directed, determined, decisive personality, you know that you don't bend very often. Then you have another personality. They're the outgoing and people-oriented individual. They're inspiring and influencing. And that's a good personality because they're wired to be around a lot of people. They want to influence a lot of people relationally. But sometimes if it's not spirit-controlled, those type of people feel like they're going to influence people. So they want to have the microphone. They do a lot of the talking. They're the ones that are at the center of the attention. Whatever they do is with a flair because it's essentially about them. Now, again, that's the flesh part of it. The spiritual side, it is about me, but it's really about me using what God made me to influence you. But even those times, there could be a time that those people don't yield the microphone. They don't yield the conversation. They don't yield the floor or the issue to others because they have to be in the center of that. Another personality is the kind that we might say is very cautious and careful and calculated and correct. They have a difficult time yielding as well because often once they made up their mind on a particular issue, they believe they are so correct that to do anything less than that would be wrong. Now, on the same time, they don't like conflict, those type of people, so they generally will yield outwardly. So you think they're very submissive and very yielded because they'll kind of go with the flow outwardly. But inside, they're the kind that will go underground. It will become more critical. They're the ones that will kind of go behind the scenes and begin to put down certain situations. So they yield outwardly, but they haven't real, really yielded inwardly. And then the final personality would be the one, and this is sometimes even more dangerous. And I'd like you to listen to this one. seems like there are a lot of people with this personality. They're sweet, sensitive, somewhat shy. They are submissive, so they look like they're really yielding. The problem with those type of people is they almost yield to everybody because they don't like conflict. They want everybody to be happy. They want everybody to kind of go with the flow. And since they don't uh, often uh, uh, buck up against them, they end up doing everything themselves and they kind of go with the flow and they don't sometimes draw the line that there is a time that you have to be tough and say that N-O word, no. And when they do that, they feel like I'm so unyielding and I must be a real bad person. And there is a time that we have to say that. Now, I don't know if I tapped into any of your personalities or not, I do think I've hit enough of you that that might be the case. But whatever your personality style is, biblical yieldedness is still right, even though it's very difficult and there's a right way to do that. So to do it, I think the best example to use would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, some simple reasons would be that out of all the personality traits that God has created and made, they're all found in the person of Christ. Just like there are different motivations through spiritual gifting. Christ has all the spiritual gifts. If you're a believer in Christ, you have one or two spiritual gifts. Christ had all of them. So he has all the personality traits and he has all the spiritual gifts. And so he is now modeling for us that no matter what your gift is or what your personality style is, when you dig into the Jesus who's inside of you, then you can still be yielded appropriately no matter what kind of propensity you have in a motivation, spiritual or natural. You can still be a yielded individual. So I picked out two particular areas of his life to maybe bring us all into one big camp here. First of all is in his early years. That even Jesus, although he is Jesus, when he was young, he showed what it meant to yield. And let's look at it in Luke chapter 2, verse 49 through 52. And it says this. And Jesus said to them, 
to his parents, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So he did dialogue with his parents and they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them, with his parents, and he came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And then Jesus increased in wisdom and natural and favor with God and man. You might want to circle the phrase, he subjected himself to them. That would be he yielded to them. My point simply being this. He probably was about 12 years old. I think that would be a good guesstimate about his age. He was Jesus. So I would like to speak to those of you that have kids right now that you can explain to them that if they have a hard time yielding to those that are in authority, the example here is mom and dad, that if they've trusted Christ as their personal savior, then they have Christ in them. And just like when Christ was young, he then submitted to authority figures so that no matter what your personality is, you have Christ in you and you can then become submitted to those that are in authority. Now, some of you that are older right now, you might say, I have a difficult time with that. Well, I would think that we who are older, we probably have been knocked up by issues of life when we haven't been so yielded. Now, think about that yourself. How many of you had a job that now you look back over and because you weren't yielded, you didn't get promoted, you didn't get the sale, you didn't get the bonus. You might have even been transitioned out of your job. Even as an older person, you might struggle with that. So now we look back to the life of Christ and we say, hey, if Christ could do it as a young person, even if I'm old, I can still have the maturity to do what is right. And I know that I can yield. But that's not all. At the end of his life, look what it says here. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice while he was up on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. And then finally it said, and he yielded up his spirit. Now I'm going to come in now for some real important truths here. All right, he yielded to his parents fleshly, although he was God, to his flesh parents. Now he is yielding at the point of death to his heavenly father as actually going through the point of death. Yieldedness, now this is the bottom line. If you don't hear any of my other points, I want you to get this. A person who has a right relationship with the Lord that knows how to yield to him properly will find it far easier then to know when and how to yield to the people that God puts in front of our life. If we're struggling with human relationships and when to yield and to whom we're to yield, etc., it often is because we have not had a good understanding of being totally yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that we mention Christ, Christ is now in us the hope of glory. So we have now within us a spiritual governor, Christ and the Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom and understanding into his book so that we can take those principles in life so that when we are tempted not to yield, we'll know to whom we are to yield, how often we're to yield, how far we're supposed to argue or bring this argument to. When should we give in, give up, or yield? And that's what we have for us. We know Christ. We call that the exchange life. We exchange our own propensity for how we think we should live our life and we give it all over to the Lord and we allow Him to live His life out through us. Now, it sounds very mystical, but it does work. It's the only way that it's going to work is when we do it through the life of Christ. And He will certainly help us to do that. Let's look at some points here that might be helpful. How do I demonstrate yieldedness? All right, first of all, it's to adapt my priorities to the one I serve. Adapting my priorities to the one I serve. Now, I know that we don't have all the verses that are printed for you, but if you would like, and you have your Bible in front of you, I would like to take you through a very quick passage through 1 Peter chapter 2, verses chapter 2 through chapter 4. And the reason I want to show this to you, because out of all the books in the Bible that probably speaks the most to the concept of submission and yieldedness, it's going to be this passage right here. Now, I'm only speaking to those of you that are saying, you know, I want to be biblical and I know that I'm in conflict with my parents or I'm in conflict with my mate or conflict at my job and I keep running into it. Why is it that I'm always in a world of conflict? Could it be that there are some issues of yieldedness or submission in your life? And so I wanted to take this to you that 
If we want to have that yieldedness demonstrated, it's going to come through adapting our priorities, our priorities to the one I serve. So I want to take you through this passage, if you don't mind. First of all, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. If you don't have it in front of you, just listen, because it won't be up on the screen. It goes like this. Peter is now writing to those who are believers. That'd be people like you and me. And he starts out by saying, Beloved, I beseech you. Some translation says, Beloved, I beg you. So he starts out, before he tells us to submit, he tells us, I love you. Please do this. My beloved ones, please do this. And if you allow me for just a moment to do this, as if I'm Peter, I am begging us as a church that we would embrace the truth of yieldedness and we would listen now to what Peter is telling the people here about yieldedness and the importance of it. So watch how he begins the argument of yieldedness here. Verse 11 goes on to say, I beseech you as sojourners and pilgrims. That means you're only in this world for a short time. This is not your home. You can put up with all the garbage this world has to offer us because this isn't your home. You eventually will be home in heaven. Then he says to abstain from fleshly lust. And that doesn't necessarily mean sexual sin. It means fleshly lust would mean something that you want for yourself. You, you want that. And it's yours. You desire it strongly, way out of the proportion of Scripture. We know that the flesh does that. And so what does it do then? It'll war against your soul. Now listen carefully. If you have, an, if you have a problem with yieldedness, it's because your flesh wants something that doesn't belong to you. You don't want to adapt your priorities for someone else. You want your rights. And so now you have an inner conflict that's going on way before you have a personal conflict with others. And that inner conflict that you have could have been given to you from your parents. It could have been given to you because you've been beat up in life and abused. It could have been given to you from any other source, but it's only feeding what's already there, your own flesh. We're all born with that. The benefit we have is when we've trusted Christ, that has been put to death. Now we're alive unto God, but it seems to keep coming off the, uh, the altar at us. We have to be careful. Let's go a little bit further. So he says here, at war against the soul, having your behavior seemly among the Gentiles, that wherein they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they behold, glorify God. Now let's explain what that means. He's saying, I beg you that you would realize that what's warring inside of your soul is going to destroy you. And so he says, now what you need to do is realize that you're living your life before the Gentiles or the unsaved community. That would be your school, your neighbors, the people you work with, and some of the people you don't even know while you're driving down the highway with. You're being watched by them. They can glorify God now because they see a changed life in you and me. And one of the primary areas we can begin with, at least for today, is having a yielded spirit where that we're yielding to our supervisor, we're yielding to our boss, we're yielding to those that have the authority over us. Well, now I went through the, the rest of 1 Peter, and what he does now is he starts out in some translations by saying, since you want those to trust Christ, you want them to glorify God in the day of visitation because they're looking at your lifestyle, he then says, therefore, submit. Now, through chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, he then divides up groups of people that we're to submit to so that we can show a testimony to the unsaved people, hoping they might even come to faith because we've learned to yield to those people. So here's group number one. We're to submit as citizens. It says, therefore, citizens, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it's to king or someone else that's an authority. So the word submit, again, is to yield. So citizens, we need to yield. One of the first places I think we ought to yield to is our right to vote. We're given that right and that privilege to vote. We ought to take advantage of that and know what the issues are and vote. And then when we have someone that deals with us in an improper way, we need to submit to them. 
That's the way that we show that testimony to those people. Recently, I was with someone that was sharing with me how that they were pulled over by the police officer. And they, they thought, well, man, if I just fess up and say, you know what, I was speeding. I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. They might let me out of the ticket. That policeman was very kind and gentle to that person, took their license, went back to the car, looked it over the things, came back and handed them a ticket anyway. So there may be a time that you'll get a ticket. I remember one time I got a ticket and I really don't think I was speeding. But you cannot fight those that are in authority over you. That's the testimony. The second is submissive at work. It says servants or those that are employed, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Now a lot of times we'll stop there. And we think that if we had a good boss who was fair, treating me fair like everyone else, we're to submit to them. Yes, we are. But the rest of the passage makes it more difficult because it says this. Servants, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle masters, but also to those that are harsh. One of the greatest ways we, as a Christian employee, is to show yieldedness to those bosses who tend to be not gentle, not kind, not sweet, shows favoritism to others that are harsh to us. Now remember, what we lose here on planet Earth, the context would say, we will gain later in heaven as a blessing from the Lord because we've shown the spirit of yieldedness. I, I know this is a tough message. It's a tough pill for us to swallow. But once we do that, we're going to be bringing glory to the Lord. People may come to know Christ as Savior just because of that. So we're to submit as citizens. We're to submit at work. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it goes on to say, in marriage. It says, wives, likewise, submit yourselves to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without the word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Let me pause for a moment on that phrase. In this particular passage, again, I believe the argument in the whole book of 1 Peter is to talk about uh, of trials and afflictions. He says, we're to now yield and to submit to God, to do it in front of the Gentiles. God will reward us. Maybe the believers will come to faith in Christ. He goes through the list of them. This one with wives, it's a very unique context. It says, wives who are married to husbands who do not obey the word. Actually, in the Greek, if you read it in Weiss Word Studies, it doesn't mean that there's a husband who just chooses not to go to church with you. This is in a context where this man hates the word of God, hates that it represents who God is, hates everything that his wife is having to do regarding God's word, and even goes as far as to put down the word, reject the word, denigrate the word in her life. And yet it says to that wife that she is to submit herself to her husband in that context. Now, I'm not talking about if that husband then will say to her that she has to lie or commit moral impurity with a neighbor or some weird, wild, perverted thing, but even to someone who is not right. So now you have a boss who's harsh, you have a husband who doesn't follow the Lord, it still says we're to yield to those in our life that are even difficult. And if we're yielding to them, we'll find it easier when we realize, watch this now, that we're yielding to God who is the righteous judge over those people. And the rest of that passage said, even as holy women who trusted in the Lord and called, the master did. Trusted them. But it doesn't just say that. Now, some of you husbands think, see, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do that. A couple of verses later, it says, likewise, you husbands. And then it goes on to a whole list. Well, the likewise would say, still submit yourself to your wife and the needs that she has. You yield to her as her shepherd and servant. It goes on to say here, submissive in the church. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to the elders. Now, as I did that study, when you read that, you might think, well, that means just the young people should submit, the, submit themselves to all the legacy Nakapuna group or anybody who's older than them. I think we could make that as a partial argument, but not in the context that it's said here. Because in the context, it's all about church elders, pastors specifically. 
And it talks about the younger ones, the younger shepherds, the younger people that are younger spiritually than the people that are in positions of leadership, that they are to yield to their leadership. Now, I'm not here building a case because I don't think you're following me and you're not yielding to me. That's not where I'm going. I'm just showing you the passages on yieldedness to them. But then notice what the next passage says. Listen to this because this speaks to us who are pastors. It says, submit yourselves to the elders. Then it says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Are you all tracking with me so far? There's a lot of information. So now it tells not just that the younger to submit themselves to the elder pastor leaders in the church. Then it says, but all of you submit yourself or yield yourself to one another. And the key phrase is this. Be clothed with the cloth of humility. Now, as I went through that part, I ran it through Scripture to find out that often submission and yieldedness had around the passages the whole concept of humility. So now I got thinking, if I don't find myself easy to yield to those other people, it's probably because I'm not very humble. And what's the opposite of humility, everyone? It's pride. So if I've got, so my, I'm dealing with a pride issue. And that takes me back to Proverbs that says, Only by pride comes contention. So when I have pride, I've got a lack of yieldedness, which I have stubbornness in my life. I have fighting in my life. And therefore, I've got conflict in my life. So again, is it possible that if you're having trouble with people in your life relationally because you're demanding your rights that you think is owed to you, could it be that even though you might be right, what we might say dispensationally, theologically right, but at the same time dispositionally, your emotions aren't right. You have pride in your life. And there is a time that we need to submit. Is that quite possible? Now, as I went through all of this, I said, I, I need to have the life of Christ. I need an example. I need it to be spelled out to me. Now, we all know enough of the Bible to know, yes, Jesus yielded his life. He obeyed his father, did his father's will on the earth. When he was on the cross, he says, it is finished. What is finished? This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.